Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by art director Maya Iman. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> I'm pretty well. Uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to unwind. And just like <laughs> the weekend's here. It's been a long week. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning like the whole it being a four-day week thing. And I feel like that's so much why like someone told me it was Friday today. And I was like, that's it's not Friday. It doesn't feel like Friday. I don't know why. It just feels so... It felt so long, even though we had a day off Monday. Mm-hmm. It's really President's weird. Day seems like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can't... Oof. It's also just been a lot in my mental going on. Like, mm-hmm. also, me and my coworkers were just saying that this has been the most heartbreaking, kind of disappointing Black History Month. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot going on, you know, but finally, R. Kelly's been arrested. Um, I saw that today, uh, and rejoiced mm-hmm. and I, I mean i was just saying i'm like wow jesse smollett is getting so much shit right now but why is r kelly not getting like it, i just feel like overall the politics yeah. within chicago and just like overall like when it comes down to the media a lot of things are skewed and that's why i kind of just rely oh, on a place where i'm like i keep my nose out of it or at least i try to as much as possible it's so. like a horrible balance that for some reason the media feels like they need to strike yeah mm-hmm. but right now it's just all happening in chicago right now so i'm yeah. just kind of like yeah. Ooh, i need a break and also it's cold so and it's weird that it's things that like it always seems like the things that go on the national scale in chicago are that weird representative thing that is not because like there's been so many folks that I've seen post about like those incidents and where like the the comparisons of like if either of those people were white and were in those scenarios like first off R. Kelly would have been convicted way sooner mm-hmm. and second off like anyone that was in the position that just I don't actually know how to pronounce his name Jesse, J- Jesse Smollett well it's weird because like honestly if he what if R. Kelly was white he, he would he would be still in the same position yeah. it's just some reason like we have to just think about it in the day r kelly has a lot of power he's had a lot mm. of power all of his entire career and he's very very well connected so it's the power within the politics of the entertainment business very similar to jesse smollett but the thing is he is just so weird and now we're entering a phase where it's like not only is he black but he also he's gay mm-hmm. so it's like a part of me doesn't want to believe he did this for the sake of salary or attention but People are really, really messed up in that way. But also, it was just so poorly planned. Yeah. I don't think it was really real. The comparison I've been seeing a lot of recently is, or in, not, like, in like the past day, is comparing it to when Ryan Lochte faked a burglary when he was in, um, when he was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. He like, yeah, he like faked getting mugged by like a Brazilian gang, and then it turned out that he lied and the reaction from the Olympics and the general media and general public was, Oh, well boys will be boys. And it's like, and it's, but it's, yeah. And this is just so much more, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking because it's just, it's a lot of, I think at the end of the day, like it's making it worse because I feel like the Chicago police department specifically isn't handling this correct law. I feel like they're just talking a lot and then it's just being just like pushed out so quickly when it's like a lot of facts are not being delivered like it's a lot of 
miscommunication, a lot of misguidedness, and it's like all over the place. So. It's made really difficult to pay attention to in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's like, like very quickly sensationalized. Yeah. And now it's already, I'm already now seeing like some people use comedy skits with it, like on some SNL right. type of thing. Like I think it was on like The Daily Show. And it, I thought it was actually a very serious talk, but it was actually more of a comedic sense. And I'm like, it's too soon right now. Like I just yeah. feel like I still don't understand what has happened. Yeah. Well, so, and the but, police are the police are like parading it around like we were right, you know, like oh we were right this whole time. Yeah. But, and it's like it's really unfortunate. Yeah. So. And then it's but then it's like you so then you know that you fucked up a bunch of times like so then you know that you know that you've sucked on a lot of pro like to a lot a large degree on a lot of cases like even, even yeah they're if, not correct all the time so I think they're using this as a win but it's like I feel like there's still a lot they're not doing and I, there's a lot they haven't done correctly over the yeah. past few years so it's just all really confusing so it's like yeah I'm I, like they finally got yeah. R. Kelly right so I don't know but yeah I don't know they, they still are at fault so yeah. I'm really thankful to have had this conversation but I do also want to take a step back because yeah. I want to also kind of introduce and contextualize yeah. you for our audience so um I uh learned about you mm -hmm. and your work from learning about Fluent 360 um, so I'm I'm curious if you would mind kind of giving like the elevator speech for that entity mm -hmm. for for our, our audience. Okay, yeah. Um, I've been at Fluent for almost a year now. Um, I came on as an art director. Um, I was connected through a, well, one of my best friends who's a strategist there, and um, I was seeking work in advertising, but I never thought I would get into the space of advertising in a multicultural sense because unfortunately it just doesn't seem like it's like on a grand scheme of things it doesn't seem from what i was always told like it never got a great view within the public from mm -hmm. just getting education as an in advertising so i only heard about like burrell and a few other agencies but they didn't seem to be doing well but to actually see an advertising agency that is growing and it's excelling i was like oh yeah i'll definitely interview there and talk to the people and just see what it's about because i think it's important to not only create work that's meaningful but to at least give us a point where it's like because the general market doesn't care about multicultural stuff like they just care about selling a cool product and that is it they don't care about changing the culture scoping it like they do in a sense but a lot of people still don't like everyone doesn't get to have like Nike or Apple as a client mm -hmm. and actually get to create like and move culture. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just get small clients, like maybe like Cracker Barrel and they just are supposed to sell this product and don't think about the cultural cues in the, the, right. the, the information that they're receiving. So they don't, you know, cause I've worked in a big agency and the demographic wasn't important. And yeah. that's why I just saw a difference within the advertising life and fluent. It's about understanding um, who you're selling to, who's the market for, what it's going to do for that market and how it can elevate culture and just like evolve. And and that's all I've, I've always wanted to do is evolve the black narrative because I feel like it's still very skewed. And unfortunately, it's just been very like hard to navigate as a black woman myself because all my life I've been confused about my blackness. And I think I'm at a place where I'm secure of it and I want to help other people become more in um a place of you know finding that moment and f understanding their identity a lot more because i just think that's something you're gonna feel and you know like get confused about all your life because we evolve as humans period but when you understand who you are what you stand by it's so much more rewarding so it's no it's entirely fascinating and well do you feel like to any degree that we're in a, a moment where 
what it means to advertise to like conscious people or even to advertising to black folks like is it different now oh yeah a lot more different because i think we're at a place now where finally people see us and it's kind of sad that it took this long Mm -hmm. but also it's sad that a lot of us didn't see each other enough in my opinion like i think it's it's a two-part thing like i think unfortunately we were never accepted into the masses, one. And then two, I think we just never really supported one another enough. But I also am born and raised from Chicago. I am in a very, very great network of up-and-coming artists here. And then for me to also work and do what I do in an advertising sense within the masses, it's like very, very crazy and honoring because it's like now we have TV shows and we have people who are directing them, who are photographing them, who are doing the cinematography, who are writing the scripts to people who are now, you know, taking a stand against the politics of just everyday life. You know, actually saying, hey, let's figure out what this alderman does and let's find someone of who actually helped change the wards and just change, you know, communities and neighborhoods. And it's just crazy that we're coming to this light. Like, we're there's still a lot of firsts. Like, there's a lot of firsts still happening. It's like the first black woman to receive a award in this and it's just it's crazy because as much as we're getting so much attention you see recently like a few of the award shows that came up is still it's still just very very white something that stands out to me in terms of like how the advertising agency or how the advertising industry has changed is Mm -hmm. i think it was like a cheerios commercial Mm -hmm. where there was um it was a it was a family where there was a I think a white mother and a black father and a mixed race child. And it was, there was no reference made to the fact that the family was multicultural, but the outrage it, it, you know, garnered was wild. And I think that that was in like 2016, 2017 that that happened. It's kind of just sad because I feel like, the industries that were driving the culture so much are not doing that anymore. Like advertising was, but it's not as much as it was. You get certain ads like the Kaepernick one that is like very, very powerful, but it's hard to find those nowadays. And then now even you see fashion brands that are now being outed for the, you know, the, the racial like indigenous of the, the work that they're creating. So I just think it's crazy because People are just trying so hard to diversify, but there's a difference. I like to, I, I think I found out at work about inclusion versus representation. And at the end of the day, inclusion isn't the same. And including maybe one or two in the conversation isn't enough. It's about at least letting us create the work, having us write the work, having us stand by the work and be a part of the work. And that's why with everything that I'm doing at the agency, like I'm creating work, I'm hiring people other black people to create it with us and highlighting black artists. And I think that's very important. So like, for example, right now we're going to release our black history month campaign with Nissan and it's featuring a, um, a artist based here. Her name is Sheila Rashid and she's a fashion designer. So, and then it's amazing because we have an amazing director. His name is Alan Ferguson. He's, he directed it. And I think that's just important because like the idea stemmed from, our blackness and we want to highlight other black people for black history month not just for the sake of saying hey it's black history month let's just celebrate black people for this one moment we do this every day yeah. and this is our reality and that's the important thing a lot of brands and companies do it for the sake of it being like a a marketing tool and a tactic i want to i want something to check off your to-do list absolutely yeah. and i want to um 
to ask you about something specific with that because um you know and obviously i'm not lost on on my perspective in this conversation which is that of like a white dude but a realization that i had maybe like i don't know two or three years ago was how important it is for not just like representation but having folks of color be in those kind of administrative and authoritative yeah like you have to be we we really need a seat at the actual table not just being the person who's the muse or being like the spokesperson but actually advocating for people Mm -hmm. of color decisions yes making those decisions because that's the problem of why those certain ads are like like for example i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the one that the one pepsi commercial they did with kendall jenner was like two years ago and it's like (laughs) if you had someone of color it could have been an asian person a spanning person a black person anybody of color at least someone who is also i at least think has been on like a lower income or something you know someone who doesn't come from an upper white class like lifestyle see this they would have just said no that's not a good idea yeah Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a, I, so I want to, the, the question I also want to ask too is, um, cause I do feel like there are maybe some, some folks listening who find themselves in that position of figuring out how to advocate for that difference, that difference of bringing people into the room in a way that's like in an authority role or in a role where they have artistic yeah. license is the thing I like to think of with it. Well, I think it's interesting cause like. I don't, I don't, I come from an advertising background, like I studied art direction at college, but I'm a traditional fine artist and I really didn't realize that, but I am like, I went to a school where I did an AP art class. I did gallery 37. I like, you know, different things outside of school. I was always interested in art, but I didn't know what to do with art. But then once I was in college, I really discovered that photography and film are things that I feel like are my passions. I kept doing that on the side of college, but I never really fully got a traditional advertising background mm-hmm. but luckily my my creative director um he saw the passion i carry and the stories that i want to tell and he gave me that opportunity because even though i'm not like i didn't go to portfolio school mm-hmm. or have had like three years in the agency world i'm new i'm fresh and i have a fresh perspective and i deserve to make decisions as well mm-hmm. and i still have a lot to learn i'm not like you know a brit like i'm not like a genius or anything but I feel like you just have to offer opportunities to people and see the passion that lies within us instead yeah. of just seeing it as like, oh, you're of color. Let's just bring you on board so we can not look so, you know, not diverse. Like right. my first agency I worked at, um, I like I saw that there was a moment where I was like, wait, I'm a token black person because I was one of the only interns in the program. It was f- about 50 interns and it was only two people of color that i saw i think on my on my team so then like it was one day we posted a photo for instagram about like the internship program and they put me in the dead center and i have all these white people and people who aren't at least black around me like i think it was another indian woman as well but she's in the back but me being black woman i'm sitting in the very middle and i have all these white other counterparts around me right and it just looked weird it felt weird too. Honestly, so. the I'm I can't wait for the moment when people realize that there is such a difference between clearing the story that you want to tell with a person of color versus just having people of color in the damn conversation from yeah. the first place. Like I think unfortunately though, it it takes I think that's the beauty with us because 
I if it wasn't for me pushing down those doors, I wouldn't get to the where I, where I am. So I'm always telling other people of color, you really got to push the envelope and push these doors because like I got that opportunity knowing a creative director at the agency and she advocated for me and vouched for me and said that I'm talented and she should be in this internship program. But I looked around, I'm like, there's no one else like me. You know, and I feel I feel like that's so hard and like it's pretty sad because there's a lot of great jobs and a lot of great money that can be made in advertising or even like computer softwareing or like right. just a bunch of great opportunities. But there's no people of color. Yeah. And I actually have a friend right now who's looking for a copywriting job and she was just showing me like, yo, like all these companies have so many white people. And it's like, yeah, like looking at the team page is just it's, it's like they all look alike mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's crazy like. Looking at the team, realize. looking at the team page at Fluent Three Hundred and Sixty was wild to me. Yeah, like, it's great. It like I I can't remember if I said this already on the podcast. Sorry, but I I definitely said it in the pre interview of like the fact that for every white lady, there's like four people of color. Yeah, which is like astounding. Well, I think this is very important that I think people really need to realize as well. Feminism is white supremacy and heels. And it's an article that actually has been circulating through the New York Times. And people don't realize, like, people think if you add a woman to the conversation, that's enough. But if you add specifically a white woman, there's th- that that's, that's doesn't do anything. Like, Mm-mm. And unfortunately, like, let's just remember that the reason why Trump is president is because a majority of them were white women who voted for him. Yeah. And a lot of white women really still believe in the Make America Great Again and just thinking and are still very traditional and don't want to you know, open the gates to diversity because I actually just had a, my best friend who actually got me the job at Fluent, she recently, yesterday, actually yesterday, got her citizenship. So just seeing her at the federal building, you know, taking the oath to be a citizen of this country was just so mesmerizing, but it's just like crazy because just the the process she had to go through was harder because of Trump. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for that, like it, it, a lot of people just can't be here because of him. And it's really, really hard because like a lot of people deserve the opportunities that America can give them and deserve to be citizens and deserve a great life. But it's just still really, you know, it's like a it's like I'm going to pick and choose certain people. Absolutely. And I th- like, you know, one of the things we talked touched on is just how frustrating like national politics are right now and for me it it really comes down to just how segregated our country still is like there are people that just have no fucking clue what you're talking yeah like like and there are the people that support trump and the people that support you know the way in which america has done this through like has dealt with other cultures for through so many other presidents like they don't even realize Mm -hmm. that like through through so much like we've you know ostracized different cultures like like that's it's uh, yeah well and there there are so many there are so many white people who believe that they are you know who believe that they are supporting you know disenfranchised populations and supporting these causes but like still don't take the time to educate themselves like um i had a conversation with a woman recently who is 
the nicest, you know, most caring person. But I had to have a conversation with her and explain to her what No Cop Academy was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's one of the biggest issues in this election and you, in this local election. And, and the fact that I was like, okay, go to nocopacademy.com mm-hmm. and read their mission statement and read why it's bad for West Garfield Park. And mm-hmm. like, it's... Read what's being done with $95 million yeah. Yeah, your ex- tax money. Exactly. And it's, you know, I think that there are so many people who are like, oh yeah, like I, I you know, read the the candidates pamphlets i feel like i have a pretty good idea but it's like no like you it is your responsibility as a person with baked in privilege Mm -hmm. that you need to do that much more research you need to do that much more fact checking and digging because it's your with the person with more power it is your responsibility to enact change it's 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 important because like at least i think with social media we're able to gain a better understanding of the politics like um me like me seeing certain friends like actually work with like chicago votes which is a great organization to advocate for younger millennials and gen z's to get out and vote and then um seeing like chance create this great campaign about like what an alderman is and i just think we need to and i think seeing people like that advocate for the politics and having us like at least think that we have to take a better we have to really research and understand the politics of the locals and really pay attention to each other instead of just thinking about the president because the president can only do so much and at the end of the day like we weren't grateful when obama was a president and now look where we are so it's like (laughs) we took a step forward to take 15 back so it's like well and there are so many people who are up in arms about the primaries when the primaries are are in a year they're in a year Mm -hmm. and what we're staring down now is we are at you know as of recording four days away from a major election that decides the future of our city for the yeah. next four years well people are just now realizing because it's like oh there's signs everywhere oh yeah the elections are two days yeah. yeah oh i'll do some research i'll but i think it's it, it's we're in a place where it's like now it's much more accessible like we have to really be thankful for the technology that we have now in this day and age because we're seeing the people who are running more and we're seeing what they stand by for and now actually it's like crazy because now their past is coming back to them so much easier you know like oh you used to smoke weed in college or oh you used to do blackface you know like it's easier for us to know people's true motives or at least like where they've been and where they've where they're going i want to take a skip to the left which is like uh, a similar like in the similar subject but kind of on a different level because one of the things i always find very interesting with people in in your work that also have um a mindset of wanting to bring change is the this weird spectrum of knowing the complex needs of your own community Mm -hmm. and having like a mindset for words and being able to put words into as few as possible to tell what you need to tell in as few words as possible yeah and i find that interesting and but and and also it's obviously more complex than just me finding it interesting but i'm wondering if you could kind of speak to that and if there's like if that's a struggle that you that you've found in your in your work and if there are anything if there's anything that you found that makes that easier like figuring out how to communicate effectively the the actual like without it just being like buzzwords like we talk about that a lot where it's like people will throw accessibility on a thing Mm -hmm. and it's like like okay what does that mean like like what what like you you preach accessibility and then the tickets to your show are 70 dollars it's you know 
meaningless. Yeah, I, I definitely just find myself frustrated with certain words that people use to make us more relatable in a way. Like, mm-hmm. I hate, I honestly get tired of hearing diverse and diversity mm-hmm. at some points in the day because I hear it so much. And then even just sometimes, like, I remember when someone say, like, let's get someone who's an urban or even i hate the word i think i hate the word influencer (laughs) more than anything in the world now like grabbing someone who has like a lot of followers who really actually probably isn't doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. but has a lot of followers so we can give them a lot of money to bring their followers to this brand or something i at least try to make sure that every person that i am tying my brands into are people who are doing effective work for the community and who are not only just cool, you know, who are relatable, who are, you know, unapologetic, who are just themselves, you know, and not just, you know, a model or just someone who's pretty to look at, someone who's actually really effectively creating, you know, and just trying to do the work we need in these communities, these underprivileged communities. So I just, I hate influencer more than anything now. So, you know, it is, it's super because social media has yeah. become so like, yeah. I feel like unfortunately now it's like you have advertising agencies and now you even have social media agencies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's all fuck Jerry is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know. I heard about fuck Jerry, but I had no idea what it was until I saw the Firefest festival documentaries. Like I watched the one on Hulu and Netflix. I'm like, just, wow, this is. This is why I don't want to be a part of the industry sometimes because it's just so funny yeah. how like how it's like people weren't paying attention but like like how how do you only isn't he getting in jail for like six months or something the guy who created it oh I don't know I think it was it was either six months or six yeah months. and apparently he's already like conjuring up his next idea and Ja Rule is now even yeah, still going yeah it's gonna in. be Firefest uh, well no because he he launched the Icon app and I think that he's doing like I think that's just a weird idea like if you really want to bring a celebrity to an event or like i because isn't it about like creating accessibility to from like celebrities to book them like just contact their booking agency like why do you need an app for that no it's it (laughs) like in a (laughs) great like like these people are not hard they're the the booking agencies and then the marketing people are not hard to contact just find their information online like i do press photography sometimes for concerts like i did it at afropunk this past year and i know one of the artists personally who was performing it but it's like they even gave me the press list of all the singers and artists so i can email them the photos i took of them like it's not hard to contact press people or at least like the management and agencies and stuff well and if you have the means to hire ed sheeran you know likely you have if the you know-how. have the money so yeah it's like, yeah if yeah. you have if you have the money to hire ed sheeran you very well are fully capable of having the clout to email their booking agency yeah. and have yeah. them take you seriously the app just seems like it creates it, it makes it like not so tasteful to like bring connect with someone on that level like i feel like we're just losing the sense of really connecting with the real conversations well and i and it sidesteps that artist's agency in that like if you're contacting the artist directly like it gives them less of a you know less of to stand on in terms of drafting a contract Mm because it's like no i just hired you through this app and so yeah. you you adhere to the terms and conditions of the app, but not necessarily the specificity that you would, it, the the specificities that you would enjoy in a specifically drafted contract. Yeah, like it's fine to do everything by technology now, but we still need things done with pen and paper. 
we need we still need like it's like i at least try so hard like yes i'm on a computer all day but then like I still need to draw or I still need to just like at least write something down. I still need to take notes in a meeting. Like every meeting I try to go to now is I try to leave my phone at the desk. I try to leave my laptop at the desk because mm-hmm. I need to focus. And if I even zone out for a second, I'm looking at my phone or I'm looking at my email. But at least now I'm like, okay, if I zone out, maybe I'll stare into the world or something or at least try to reel myself back into the right. conversation happening in the room. But we just, we, there's a balance, you know, like, we can't just fully rely on technology like it's it's not the man's best friend well case in point with relying fully on technology have you have y'all seen the uh the recent um surge of sex traffickers who are posing as uber drivers whoa yeah no i have not seen yeah that that it happened there's a story circulating on social media that a person was picked up in a in what she thought was her uber in like tampa it was the same car, but a different driver, and she wasn't paying attention. And, like, she managed to get out, but it was, it was like, reported that it was definitely a sex trafficker. So someone who was driving the car was trying to take someone into a sex trafficking yeah. situation? Oh, wow, that's crazy. Well, I haven't heard of that, but I did recently. <laughs> um, it's funny because, like, basically I'm seeing now that dating apps are used for that now. Like, they're using that as a catfish mechanism to, like, convert you into, like, sex trafficking or maybe a sex cult. It was weird because I was like, this is why I don't have it. So this was, like, information that was, like, in my face shown. And I was like, this conversation doesn't look like a real genuine, like, interest in dating. This is, like, I'm trying to, like, bring you on as, like, you know, into some sex cult type vibe. Well, so to, to, I don't to bring it back to advertising, I'm just, I'm interested, like, with all of the ways that technology is being manipulated, and, you know, obviously, you know, in some ways, it's beneficial in that it can expedite certain processes, but in other ways, it's obviously dangerous or sides, you know, taking advantage of people. Like, do you think that we're going to see, at least in your industry, like, any sort of swing back toward the kind of nuts and bolts of what advertising started to be or we we really need to i mean i think that i think at the end of the day like that's the that's what's gonna happen at least like for in my position like because at the end of the day like being in a multicultural advertising space like we're just still trying to at least get not only our stories across but it's like it's almost like just going back in time so it's like even though it's like maybe you've seen an ad that was like of a family, you know, selling this product or something, we need to do that of our black families mm-hmm. selling a product, but in a different light. Because just because you add one black person into the family doesn't mean it's a black family, at least just in the eyes of it being written, you know, like right. you can't just make a multicultural family and think that it comes across as a like a, a very strong, nut and bolt multicultural family. Like, there's a lot of friends that I have that struggle with the identity of being multicultural, but they know that they at least they they're they're strong to admit that that they identify with maybe one race over the other. But let's not act like um the world is a a melting pot perfectly yet. Like right. it, we still have people, unfortunately. Like I don't know if you guys saw it was something that I, it really just shook my core that. Um, this NFL player is married to this white woman and they're like cheering saying more light skinned babies. What? And it's like it's it's messed up because yeah. we 
don't talk about why it's nothing i don't have a problem with black men dating outside their race i mean i i have dated white men i've dated a Hispanic. like i'm black but at the end of the day like i think at the end of the day like it's messed up because it's some type of weird fetishization or whatever or like fascination of a black man and a white woman and now they're like let's just make more light-skinned babies because I don't know where their head is, but I'm like, wow, you must really hate your mother. Cause like you're saying that and you're this dark skinned black man and you're cheering to light skin. Like, it's just really weird. And it's like, I feel like we can't, we can't talk about, like we can't talk about the world being a melting pot of families yet until we at least get the black voice heard, the Hispanic voice heard, the Asian voice heard. Like we're still fighting for our stories to get heard. Like, why does it, why did it take so long for there to be, you know, uh, crazy rich Asian. You know, like why did it take so long for that yeah. movie to come out? Why did it take so long for that movie? I didn't see it yet. It's called Roma, I think. Um, oh, my mom's been telling me to watch Roma. Yeah, like why is it taking so long for diversity just to come across in the media or entertainment or even advertising? Just our stories need to be heard. Like we can't act as if like everything is in peace and harmony when black people are still getting shot and black people are still getting, you know discriminated by the way we look or it's the yeah. same with hispanic people or just everybody who isn't white so and it's no the difference i between like diversity and integration and i and i see your i definitely see your point because like you know if you if if you're a champion of like multicultural families like that's a that's great and yeah. and that you know if it were 1975 like that would be worth celebrating when it were you know when it you know, in many situations that would be illegal. Like, of course that would be, that would be an amazing thing to champion. But the fact is if we're in 2019 and celebrating multicultural families without celebrating the two cultures that brought it that together. brought it together. What it's doing is, you're totally right. It's fetishizing and exoticizing. Yeah. The t- you know, I, I unfortunately just see a lot of black men, for example. Unfortunately, like they kind of just come off very. I, I think. I mean, it's not even just black men. I think people are obviously allured by something that's different. That's perfectly normal. But I think that's why I do what I do because it's not that I'm just. I don't just create work of black people just for the sake I'm creating work of black people. Like that's my reality. Like I've also, I'm also planning on doing something with um, uh, a friend, my coworker, and she's Asian, and she's. I think it's something really great what she does because she has such a great fan base here, and she's Asian, but she's American, and she wants to tap more into the market of like also like because she's about to go to Japan, mm-hmm. and she she wants to be able to like you know you're. You're, you're, no, you're, you're Asian, you want to be able to work well in that market and also get to know your heritage. Like, it's the same for us. Like, I want to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. I want to understand where I'm from. Like, I know that I have ancestors who were brought here from Ghana, but I also know there's more to me besides just being a black woman and being American. I want to understand my, my, my heritage. And I think a lot of people do, but we also obviously are American. And being in America, we have to accept everyone but we still haven't so we can't all say all lives matter yet until we get the others live like we have to get the minorities voice like absolutely all lives well, and that's like i really appreciate it <laughs> i remember watching the netflix version of dear white people mm-hmm. the series where yeah. a, a big crux of that was that whole idea of like 
what it means to force integration and what that does to culture. Yeah. And it's like, it's so, you know, interesting, like, because when you force integration, you entirely lose that exact thing that you're talking about. Yeah, it's like... It's more damaging. I love that they tapped into it in season two. Like, it was a... Uh, like, because the girl created Dear White People, they did a, another version of white kids doing it, saying, like, Dear... I don't know. I guess it was white people of their own version of Dear White People, but it was just to their whiteness. And I even recently saw an article, or I think it was a friend who posted about it, where it was, like, a class or a seminar about what it's like being a white man in this day and age where diversity is like at its highest. Like that doesn't mean that we're all diverse. Like we're fighting for our voices to be heard, but that doesn't mean now the white person is the minority. Like we're still the minority, Mm -hmm. even though in the next few years, white people will be the minorities, but we have to fight for our, like not only the diverse stories that we bring our oppression, the deep roots that have like, at the end of the day, like, we're angry half the time because at the end of the day, we were brought here illegally. Mm-hmm. And our and our pain and our suffering is being, you know, it's, it's, it's going through us, through our ancestors, through my past, through everyone, like, through all my friends who deal with this situation. I feel like we naturally, consistently are fighting not only for our voices, but my ancestors, my grandparents, like... it's really it's really heartbreaking to hear that sometimes because it's like i'm also in a family where i'm the only artist and they also always told me that if i'm was an artist how am i gonna make money Mm -hmm. but i'm fighting for what we all want but through art form and i just think that we all have to really take a part into understanding that it's not about that we can't be diverse but we have to take steps to get there well, and like I, you can't just add people into a photograph or add them here and there to a conversation. Like we just, we all need to be able to partake in into the conversation. So, and I, listen and listen, yeah, like really be there and listen and like, cause I I look at it like this, like you see those kids at the border, you know, being taken from their families. Just mm-hmm. think about it, like what if those were your kids? What if right. you, what if those were your cousins or relatives? Like. I don't, I don't, I don't understand immigration, but it's like, cause I, I mean, all my family's here, but I look at it like, what if that was like my little cousin? Like you have to really put your heart into, you know, when you hear these things, like, There's but some people just, of empathy. yeah. Cause like, I think unfortunately people don't realize what it's like until it happens to them. Mm-hmm. People are just sometimes really blindsided to what happens in the outside world. And it's like, you really need to tune in and listen sometimes because then it's like, you know, when it happens to you, what are you going to do? Yeah. I think it's especially crazy now because of all the sexual assault and domestic violent cases that happen because, unfortunately, black women are never being heard. But now, all of a sudden, we are being heard, but it's like we're lying about it now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if it was a white woman, is she lying? Right. Like... I think it's something really messed up because I think we're all being treated differently, not only because we're women. I mean, men, it happens to men too, but it's like mm. being a person of color who is a victim of situations like like domestic abuse or violence, like it happens and, and people don't want to listen. It's so. entirely of the, the trends of how it's received though, because yeah. exactly as you say, like, you know, for the, for, in most cases, white men are believed, you know, and, and that's the, that's the real, like the idea behind like the believe women movement is that it's, it's thinking about, 
the fact that in many cases women are not believed. Like if more often than not, than not, they're not believed. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's the difference. Yeah, like, in a major way. I want to. Um, well, and I like as a white woman, I know that I've enjoyed a fair amount of privilege as it at, in like in regards to my personal safety. Mm-hmm. That I'm sure that women of color have not enjoyed. Yeah, like, I, had I a- think it's just. I mean, for me, outside of advertising, like the work that I do do. It's like I wanted to make sure that not only are we being seen, but we're healing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's something people really don't understand is that even though um, we're angry or it's like a lot of things that happen us on daily, like the reason why these things continue to happen is because we don't properly know how to heal. And a lot of people, even people who aren't of color, like you can take I read this recently about taking the path to you know recovery or repair you know you take you can make one or two choices you can do it to repair yourselves or destroy yourself and it's like destruction or repair right and i feel like a lot of people just you know self-destruction like you don't really want to take the tools or the take the initiative of what you need to do to actually heal from the trauma that you've suffered but we just need to have the conversation of how to heal how to really like you know work through the pain and i think that's something that unfortunately people of color have not been given the opportunity to do yeah so i want to i want to um ask i want to talk more about another thing one thing that we uh talk about a lot is the work art balance of work in the day (laughs) art at night and i know you've kind of mentioned that a couple times but i want to um further kind of hear about what that's like in in your work so um what does that, what does that balance look like for you like what um you know how have you what has worked well for prioritizing the art that you want to be making mm-hmm. um well and yeah. especially since a large part of your you know a brunt of your day job is creating art you are Absolutely. an art director yeah and so finding that balance between working on art for work and working on art for yourself yeah I didn't realize how hard it was until now um, because I see certain people who get into advertising and just that's all they do. And I'm like, how do you just do this? Like, it's so, so mind boggling sometimes because like I'm also like in a weird position where I'm like a junior and a mid level. So I like I, I'm still an entry level, but I just I find moments where it's like if I'm like waiting for something to get approved or I'm waiting for like someone of my leadership to give me more work to do I find time to do my own work like I don't just sit around and wait for something to happen I mean I obviously am still working but I also like I I made sure when I took this job to still be myself and not let what I do as a nine-to-five take over what my you know what I came into this business to do because I was hired because of who I am and the work I create, for the connections I have, for the ideas that I bring to the table, I'm still going to try to remain that person and yeah. not let those things consume me because they can and they can really derail your creativity. So it's been difficult, but I'll like try to find myself, you know, researching, you know, really just like figuring out what next I can do on my own and where I can push my brand. Because even though, you know, I'm working for a brand, I'm a brand. And yeah. I was Absolutely. hired because of my brand. Yeah. 
So not just for the sake of just being a puppet and being, you know, a mascot or ambassador. Like I'm a, I'm a, I, I think that's important to obviously advocate for the work that I do, but also make that at least align with what I do as a person, you know, like not just, you know, let that consume me. Cause I'll see, I, I used to see a lot of like websites when I was in college, like of how to get a job, you know, like how to prepare my portfolio. And it would really aggravate me like seeing certain people's portfolio because it just seemed so like it, it had no depth. It had no real meaning. It had no life. It kind of just looked like I'm just trying to get a job. Yeah. Um. And then they had a like their belt section was just kind of like, yeah, I'm from like, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. And I love like avocado sandwiches and I really love, you know, to draw. But it's like, what is your what is your purpose? Like, I look at this, like, what is your life purpose? What is your mantra? What do you, what wakes you up every day? You know, like I can say, like, I'm proud to say, like, I know my life's purpose and what I do every day is, is like steps that I take to, you know, to get to that point, at least to know that the work that I'm doing is, is for a greater cause than just, you know, for a dollar, you know? And I think it's important to at least remain, you know, to give that work-life balance. Like I'll take, I'll take a walk outside. I'll go to therapy on my lunch break. I even recently just started working out because they have a gym now in my work building, and it's been so helpful because sometimes, like, if I would go to therapy, I would just get really, really down and not want to come back to work. But working out's been helping me a lot with, like, you know, getting my mind off of just the bullshit i'm dealing with with like a client or waiting to get something approved or you know maybe i'm having a disagreement about an idea with a colleague or something like it's just it's a lot of different things so it's like you just have to also remain you know you have to remain like calm cool and collected and at least make sure to take time for yourself because sometimes people just feel very they they don't feel they don't think that they're allowed to just you know take that time out for themselves and i'm like if you need to go even meditate go take some time for yourself right. you know absolutely i think that that's i think that that's a situation that people find themselves in a lot where they forget that what they're doing like you're not saving lives yeah you're not like at the end of the day like advertising is obviously very very important it's a great field to be in but it's like it can really burn you out so especially with all the brainstorming with like, cause the thing is you can brainstorm for hours. And if your creative director doesn't like the idea, you have to start all over. And if you do it again, the creative director loves it, but then we got to take it to the other team member, team members. They don't like it. You got to go back. Like it's a lot of backing and forth. And then sometimes if you take it fully to the client, they're going to say, no, let's not do that. Start over. It's a lot you have to deal with on a regular basis. And it's a lot of, people you have to go through it's not like i just come up with an idea and take it to client that's it like it's a lot of people i have to go through it's a lot of steps i have to take and i didn't realize how how difficult it is but it's it's very very hard because it's like you have to go through like the production the media buying you know the sales the the account execs like it's a lot of people i have to talk to and i'm just one department in a grand scheme of the agency i'm just a creative so it's like it all kind of comes down on creative, but it also like really is just like making sure you just at least take out the time you need to get what you need to do like done. Like, and it's hard, like having to obviously get paid to be creative. Yeah. 
how how do you keep it fresh? Like, which is such a stupid generic question. Yeah. So let me so let me you know um, be more specific. Mm-hmm. So you know, let's say that you come up with a concept that you're very excited about. Yeah. How do how do you stay connected to that idea three months later? Um, I mean, I I think it's like I at least just try to find. I try not to just be like remain so invested in like at least like maybe one idea because I, I understand like ideas evolve things change but I'm I'm just also like I'm a bit advocate on just like honestly like self care wellness I I love doing a lot of things not only for the sake of inspiration but for my own like yeah. my mental stability like sometimes I'll like just go to the museum not even really looking for inspiration but it's like it just kind of finds me i love movies i love going to like different spoken words or like different poetry events that my friends are part of because i'm overall like even though i'm in advertising i'm a creative first like before advertising i was i'm an artist like all i kind of do is is art like i'm not into sports i'm not really into politics i'm not really like into a lot of things that aren't art related like I love going to concerts going to the movies I even love like you know going out to eat because I just love being in the atmosphere and the environment I also love you know observing absorbing people so I always love talking to like my friends or getting their perspectives on things and also advertising works because you also got to talk to people you have to see where their head is like you can't just rely on like what you think is going to work you know that's why they have focus groups and stuff you need to get the the demographics perspective on the ideas that you maybe want to bring to the table but i'm always trying to take time for myself and right now i've been at least trying to read more so get back on that and just away from my phone i'm also trying to learn two different languages because it's a lot of it's a lot of different languages in my office so what languages are you trying to learn I'm trying to learn Spanish and French. Cool. Yeah. I I, work... I took Spanish in like high school, but I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I so. uh, I work in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. as my day job. I'm um a director of coffee mm-hmm. for a um a res- soon to be restaurant group. Yeah. And um, but right now I'm just like working at one of the restaurants, mm-hmm. and most of the kitchen staff speaks Spanish, and I've. I need to learn Spanish. Yeah, like, I think people, and I think also, like, I mean, I thought the same thing, too, at one point, because I worked in hospitality, but I have people right next to me that speak Spanish fluently, who are, like, one of my, one of my good coworkers, her name is Ana, she's from Venezuela, and I just love how she speaks Spanish, because, like, Spanish is also different in all different parts of the world, so, you know, it's like I want to learn it so also I can differentiate the accent or at least like the way that it's said in different parts of the world and then also like I just I would love to just diversify my palette of language because I think unfortunately you know me being from the south side of Chicago I'm kind of just like I'm prone to one language which is like obviously English but there's a slang that I carry within also being from the south side and then also like even though I am from Chicago, a lot of a lot of my um, my family is here from the South because Chicago is basically a hub of people from the South. Right. So that's what people don't realize. Like Chicago's Midwest, but Chicago's literally a bunch of people who were living in the South that migrated here. It's the same thing with Milwaukee. Um, in the 40s, um, there was a really strong welfare prog- program mm-hmm. 
both in Milwaukee and in Chicago that a lot of folks living in the South came up to like have a better life because of. And when a lot of those programs were stripped, there were generations of people who lacked the connections to be able to survive without those programs. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's why we're, you know, one of the many reasons why there are so many like issues like so many wealth disparities as it relates to race and it's fucking it fucking sucks yeah definitely but i want to um further ask about you know one of the things we do ask a lot because we we have a few minutes left before we have a few minutes left um (laughs) is uh we ask a lot about what chicago means to to folks as art yeah and i'm especially curious for you with your work and in your art like how do you feel that the city of Chicago has formed the way that you think about your work? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you think that, you know, what do you think couldn't be had you, had you, were you working in another city? Um, I think Chicago's very untapped when it comes down to the creatives. Like we are very, very much, we're very creative here. And then it's like, a lot of people who aren't even from here came here because they see it's a lot of great potential. It's also not as expensive as going to like mm-hmm. New York or California. Um, but it's just really untapped and it's really untouched. In my opinion, I kind of really still appreciate it, but I wish we had more opportunities and at least more access, more resources for our creativity. Like I'm not saying we need to be like New York or LA, but I just wish it was more money for resources here like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's so much that is fluctuating through both those cities but it's not a lot that's here and it's just going to take a while for it to be here because i think we have the creativity we just need the resources and the money honestly because chicago is still very corporate where it's a lot of like like real estate happening or like like it's a lot of great like hospitality and food groups here Uh um because i know chicago's great with like those type of industries but i just wish it was more like companies that are helping and like doing the work for the arts basically um and what why like for example like i thought about leaving chicago i i I still want to leave chicago honestly (laughs) but it's like i i don't know what kept me here is that not only was i mean i'll admit i'm afraid to tap to tap my work into other places but it's like i think it's very just like I don't know. I feel like me being here, I feel like I'm like, I don't know what's the word. Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm much more harder to find, in my opinion. Like, I feel like a lot of the creativity is kind of harder to find. We're like, really like, we're gems here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're just not going to find the creativity like you are here or at least in other places. Because I feel like when I see art that's happening in New York or L.A., like, it's sometimes doesn't it's hard to find art that's impressing to me because it's just like it's almost like it's a machine of them just creating creating but there's no real passion no drive no no like you know sense of at least originality even or like you know it's kind of hard for me to find that work but i look at my work sometimes and i i like i just like wonder i'm like would my work be this strong if i left would it still have would it have this much depth because i get asked all the time like 
why haven't I left or at least like where I want to go with my work. And I know I want to expand my, my audience base, but I think it'll happen in due time. But I think it's also like, it's something that I, I think I'm developing still. So it's like, I think Chicago is a great city to develop or settle, mm. settle in. I mean, not, it has moments. Cause I see a lot of like my favorite galleries are like moving to Chicago. Like one of my favorite galleries in Seattle is actually moving here. And like, I see it's like a great opportunity. Cause like we're, we're, we're making progress, but we, we have not hit that moment yet. Like mm-hmm. we just really need resources. We need more people here that are in the arts and we need more access to expose ourselves. So, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a degree where, for me, I feel like, man, like I feel like Chicago could have a major come up in the next ten or twenty years in some way. Yeah. And I like I want to be a, I want to be here for that. You know. Mm-hmm. But also because we've you know, created some of the best artists of our like of the yeah. time here, like you know. But then the the city lacks the infrastructure to keep the people here. Exactly. That's exactly why, you know, like a lot of the great artists who were born here left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I'm happy to say that I've been developing here. Cause I think at least like me being a developing artist here is really keeping me. Um, it's keeping, it's keeping me like a little bit more. It's making it easy, like a little harder, obviously, for me to expose myself. But I think it's making my art stronger because yeah. it's about the, you know, it's about the struggle that I deal with every day, or at least like just seeing what happens like on my day to day, and um, you know, it's just a lot different because I I feel like the work that I'm doing I don't see other places honestly, and I do, but it's just rarely it's really hard to find, you yeah. know. So, well, and like. I, I agree that, like, yeah, probably there's going to be a come up in Chicago, but, like, do we have the ability or the resources or yeah. the time to wait around for that to happen? Like, yeah. and what do we do in the meantime? Yeah, Absolutely. it's it's hard. Like, we're really a DIY city, honestly, and it's yeah. like, yeah. you'll see, I see a lot of corporations like Google mcdonald's are here is here like a lot of corporations like that but we need like i always forget mcdonald's is here and then it bumps Mm -hmm. me out every time Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like we have a lot of great corporations here and i think it's 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 really great because it's like now for example like i have my work at the havas office right now and then i also have my work showing at the twitter office for a black history month and it's like it's great that it's like they see we're untapped potential so Mm -hmm. yeah that's great well, we have a few minutes left. The last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting people know where they can find your work and, mm-hmm. and learn more about it. Um, otherwise, we uh, love hearing about any shout-outs to other folks that are doing dope work or any media that you're personally consuming, self-care or otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. Okay. Um, well, currently, I'm working on a show that will be at the University of Chicago at the um the Life and Arts Incubator. It's um a great center that on that's tapping into the underprivileged and like minority artists here in the city and it's about um it's a group that I'm a part of. It was called Exposure, but we're also now called like for concerned black artists. Um specifically lens based so creating work about um creating work with lenses of filmmakers or photographers and my work will be presenting my perspective of bronzeville where i'm from so i wanted i really wanted to recreate um just like the life 
that Bronzeville has created, but just to also see the downfall because of gentrification and just yeah. to seeing how the city has pushed out a lot of great people of color out of the neighborhood. So it's just a lot of vacant lots, a lot of um, a lot of historic landmarks are gone now. So I really want to just create a series about that and see how I can, you know, bring to, to light about those issues. Um, but you can find my work um, online. I'm on Instagram primarily. I'm also on Visco. I'm only on like, like image based platforms mostly. So, but um, it'll be Maya Iman, just my name. But yeah, everything else is pretty searchable. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dana Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. And thank you for being on. Thank you. I try really hard to remember. I've been, I like for a long time forgot to just even re- thank you. But like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, I've been Dana Johansson. Did I ever say that? Yep. If yeah. you uh, want if to. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles and podcasts there, as well as, uh, no, what am I saying? Um, and you can also find us on social media, on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board, where we talk about local arts, local politics, and astrology memes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag. And you can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now in most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public under Scopy Radio. And I'm here, as always, to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to sign up for email blasts. This is huge because even though we post across social media platforms, Facebook buries our content. So if you want to see 100% of what we're doing, and not just 30% of it, you should sign up for those email blasts. The second thing you can do is become a member for as little as $5 a month you can help us keep our lights on and pay our artists there are some cool incentives associated with being a member so if you have the means please consider it also we have merch available head to scopymag.com store to buy your new favorite shirt that is a promise uh, also, if you are a business or an entity or just have something fun to say and want to advertise with us, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.